Guys, welcome everyone to uh, midweek. Uh, can we just uh, thank God for Mike and Kiara? So uh, this past Sunday, uh, Kevin wrapped up our I Belong series with uh, one anothering. So I thought we should do a little bit of one another practice. Uh, stay in your seat, uh, turn to your neighbor, and without using any words, communicate to one another that you are happy to see them. Go. You guys are doing so good. It's so quiet. That's awesome. All right. So uh, we uh, last week we stumbled upon an experiment that actually uh, I think went really well. So tonight we're going to be doing a continuation of last week. But before we dive into that, my lovely wife has a two-minute transfer. I would like to ask for this mic to also work and then for Nicole McKenzie to come up here. Come on up! Woohoo! Do you want this one or this one? Either way. Hello? Okay. Can we get that one to work? Excuse me, can we get that one to work too? We need two mics. I'll say. Hello? Again, say one, two. One, two. Woo! Thank, thank you, Scott. Okay, so who's got my two minutes? Okay, thank you. What's your name? Nicole McKenzie. What year were you baptized? Six years ago. Okay. What church are you transferring from? Uh, downtown Metro. Okay, so in LA. What, who is your favorite Disney character? Uh, Minnie Mouse. If you could live in a book from the Bible, which book would that be? Acts. What animal best represents you? Uh, a lioness. Okay. What, what's your profession and why did you choose it? I'm a marketing manager at Google and I choose it because um, the company has great values and marketing you kind of do a different thing every hour, and it keeps me from having to do like one thing over and over again, so it's, a, it's fun. Oh, great. Mountains or beach? What do you prefer? Mountains. Mm. What's your favorite Bible verse? Uh, Ephesians 4.29. Okay. Beautiful. We won't let any unwholesome talk come out here. <laughs> um, after the Bible, what book has influenced you the most? Boundaries by Cloud and Townsend. Oh, great. Okay, how are we doing on time? Fa 30 seconds. Favorite Bible character besides Jesus? Ruth. Great. If you could master one skill you currently do not have, which one would you pick? To sing. Okay, uh, uh, which one is your favorite worship song? Ocean. Great. And um, uh, what is your favorite parable or miracle of Jesus? <laughs> um, I like the one where it was the rich ruler. Um, the part that I like, focused on is when it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. Because before he offered any advice, 
he showed compassion and connection and love, even yeah. though he was falling short. Nicole McKenzie, everybody, get to know Nicole. Thank you so much. Yes, nailed it. All right, and uh, some other good news. This past weekend, the uh, singles across all of LA had a rooftop. You know what I'm saying? Had, they had excellent music, but I wanted to invite Sheldon Swift to please come up and share a little bit about what went down on Saturday. Joey said, tell the truth. I don't know about that. Um, no, it was, uh, I will say this. Um, it was really, really cool. It, it would have been something I would have loved to have been at uh, not working it. Um, with that said, it was cool because, uh, you know, just being part of the uh, crew, trying to figure everything out. Um, you know, people, myself included, uh, tend to uh, register for things a little, you know, in the last hour. So uh, uh, we were like, all right, well, we're putting our money in this, so I hope this works. Um, but yeah, we needed uh, 260 people to uh, break even. Uh, we oversold, it was like 375 plus people there. Um, the, uh, the food was crazy. Uh, it was good. Um, it went. Uh, dessert was on point. Uh, Joe V, our very own, he hooked it up. Um, one cool thing uh, in particular that, uh, that stood out, because we're just trying to uh, put forth more events uh, where, you know, we've all got those friends that uh, are pretty straight up, like, I have zero interest in church. Uh, but you know, wherever two or more are gathered, like bam, you're you're in it. So we're just trying to put together more events <laughs> where people get a chance to ex get exposed to our church uh, without being behind the walls per se. And uh, so there's one guy. He was in town from uh, he he was in from out of town, uh, not a Christian or anything. But he just Googled. Uh, fun events going on in LA and found ours and registered and came through, do with the dreads. Yeah, and uh, he loved it. So um, there have been a few people that have been getting like, um, we've caught their attention and they've like jumped in and you know, keep coming back. So not just the parties, but they end up coming out to church later on. So uh, I just want to thank uh, Kevin um, for just. Uh, you know, putting his money where his mouth is. Like, hey, I believe in the singles. Do you? Yeah, I do. So thank you for that. This is, this is an experimental church, and they are willing to uh, um, support you any way they can. So I'm super grateful for that. Thanks, guys. So this is a rooftop, just so for those of us that were not there, it was a rooftop party at a building across from Capitol Records, is that correct? And how cool can you get? That is so awesome. Uh, in the spirit of what Sheldon just shared with us, um, uh, he just described, I think, culture. If you guys know anything about culture, it's complicated and it takes a lot of effort to influence it, but it takes things like this, it takes effort, 
participation, a little bit of finances, uh, a thousand acts of kindness, and lo and behold, you can start influencing culture. And this is essentially what we're trying to do, I think, between last week's midweek and this week, is we want to make sure we have a very healthy dating culture. Amen? So, uh, last week, Kevin hit off the uh, midweek with this particular passage that I wanted to look at one more time. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23, you say, under grace there are no rules, and we're free to do anything we please. Not exactly. Because not everything promotes growth in others. Your slogan, we're allowed to do anything we choose, may be true, but not everything causes the spiritual advancement of others. Okay, so um, slogans typically show up on billboards, correct? All right, so uh, I'd like us all to stand, uh, look at someone in the eye, and we're going to read this slogan together. Okay, you guys ready? You ready? Make sure you got somebody. All right, here we go. Here's our slogan. Ready? Get set. Go. Okay, now hold on, hold on. Shh. Now hold on. Now what we just said, it is true, correct? But wouldn't you acknowledge, wasn't it a little awkward saying that to another human being? All right, go ahead and sit down. Go ahead and sit down. So, although this slogan is true, I would like to ask you not to say this to your parents. I would ask you to not even say it to your children. Uh, definitely don't say it to your boss tomorrow. Okay, just think about it. The most important relationships that you have in your life right now, this is not a healthy truth to embrace. Isn't that interesting? It's, it's absolutely true, but be careful. Isn't that interesting? I just found that interesting. So, uh, would anyone like to say it to God right now? Good call, people. All right, here we go. Moving on. All right, second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. Now, think about this. Uh, Kevin has already established that the Corinthian church was far from perfect. Am I correct? Did the church have issues? Had a lot of weird issues, right? But think about, this is chapter 1. And, and look at what Paul is saying to a church that has many issues and many things not solved yet, many controversial things being talked about, being done among the members. I mean, just a lot of mess. But look at what he says to that church in chapter 1. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with who? Fellowship with the church? Well, yes, but fellowship first and foremost with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, what I found interesting is that he's saying, he's saying to everybody, you do not lack any spiritual gifts. 
But as you keep reading the book, you think, no, I think there's some gifts missing. I really think some people miss some gifts, right? But here's the issue. I think the trickiest part of that whole verse is this. Who here loves to wait? Who here is really good at waiting? It's hard, right? But I find it interesting. Paul is saying that, you know what? You do not lack any spiritual gift. But he says you do not lack them as you eagerly wait. Interesting, right? How, first of all, I don't like waiting, much less... Are you going to ask me to eagerly wait? Like, go to Costco tomorrow and eagerly wait in line. I mean, just try it. See if you can do it. I don't know if it's possible. But eagerly waiting. And this whole thing about for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed, where is he to be revealed? In you. That's what we're eagerly waiting. Now, most of us know ourselves pretty well, and that's fine, and that's good. However... What Paul is saying here is we need to be eagerly waiting and letting these gifts work and show up, right? I can be given a gift, but I never open it. What good is it? God wants us to open up those gifts. He wants us to open up the Holy Spirit, pay attention to it, listen to him, and let him remind us all the time of, how can I talk like Jesus right now? How can I think like Jesus right now? What, what tone would Jesus have right here, right now in this conversation that's a little tricky, but I know I need to love like Jesus loved? Is this making sense? So, are we eagerly waiting? Yes, you are eagerly waiting for me to go on because we need to get on. All right, so I want to give you an uh, a eagerly patient exercise. Uh, who here has heard of breath prayer? Awesome. Now everybody raise your hands because you're about to hear about it. This is going to be good, all right? So breath prayers are something I do throughout my day when I notice that I am not eagerly waiting, but instead I'm eagerly impatient, or I'm eagerly frustrated, or I'm eagerly disappointed. In other words, I'm going everywhere except being still and knowing that God is in charge of my life and not me. Does anybody else wrestle with that throughout the day? Just letting go and letting God, right? It's hard. So this is one breath prayer I want to recommend. It's uh, the four arrows represent inhale, hold your breath, exhale, hold your breath, and do it all over again. You guys want to try it? So the first inhale is over there by God. So you inhale, God, hold, exhale, is, hold, Inhale, God, hold, is near, hold, inhale, God, hold, is love, hold. How does that feel? Man, I don't know about you, but... I need that several times a day. Because guys, I'm sorry, but all of our lives are full. All of our lives are busy. We got a lot of going on, but sometimes it needs to be just a pause that says, God is. Enough said. God is love. 
God is near. I think this will help us hear the Spirit more rather than what I usually hear a lot, which is David's thoughts. Do you ever hear your thoughts a lot? Anybody hear their thoughts a lot? You're hearing them right now. You're just not listening to them. But it's, your thoughts are always talking, man. That's why this exercise, it seems really simple, but it's hard. It's hard to push the brake on those thoughts so that we can just be still in the presence of God and being really curious. What is the Spirit calling me to do? Calling me to think. All right. So what do we want? Uh, at least from last week and this week, our theme is dating. What we want is a church where, if I'm single, I can be seen, be accepted, feel loved, see God in others by having safe and encouraging dates with other singles of the opposite sex. Question, if this is what we want, why are the marrieds here tonight? <laughs> Joey, man. I love Joey. I love Joey. Can I just tell everyone what you just said? All right. So uh, Joey said it's because they can do whatever they want. Amen. I love Joey. Love Joey. But, 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 but one thing that Joey wants to do sometimes, and actually a lot, is he wants to help other people feel accepted, feel loved, feel seen. Okay. So that is why we're all here tonight. Okay. Because we're one body. For one church. Okay? All right. Moving on. Romans 14, verse 19. Let us therefore make a few efforts. Uh, Joe's on me. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Wow. I have some sharing wisdom guidelines. Uh, you can be a very wise person. But if you deliver your wisdom in an unhealthy way, what happens to the wisdom? If I have a very wise man yelling at me, you can be as wise as you want. I'm not listening to you, right? I mean, it's just, it's hard. Therefore, we have to make sure that we're checking what is the spirit of how I'm sharing wisdom with someone else. Okay, and I just want us to keep this in mind because last week, and we're going to do it again tonight, we want people sharing some perspective on some dilemmas that we're going to look at tonight. Because all of us have had experience. All of us hopefully have, we've got wisdom, but I just want to make sure we deliver it in a really healthy and appropriate way. So number one, speaking from an I, me, and my. Okay, in other words, sharing your own experience, sharing what is your your experience, your truth, what made sense to you or what has made sense to you or what God has made clear to you in your life. Turn to your neighbor and just point at him. See? Do you like that? That's what we do. When we say you, you know, you, you should uh, probably do this, Scott. You should do, ugh, it ain't good. All right? Sorry, there's my okey coming out. Yeah, it's just not good. All right? So, speaking from an I, me, and mine. Don't lecture people. Number two, no shooting on others. Now, I said that very carefully. All right. So, we understand, right? You know, sister, what you should do. Hey, bro, you know what you should do? 
I don't know, should, it's, it's in our vocabulary for some reason, I don't know why, but sometimes, guys, should is a very toxic word. It can be very condescending. It can be like, hey, why don't you turn your brain off, let me turn my brain on and do thinking for you and tell you what you, it's not healthy. Acknowledge pain. Okay, acknowledge pain. Talk about what has been difficult or what has been hard in your life, okay? Don't sugarcoat everything. Don't minimize the hard stuff and just give the golden, you know, silver lining answers. Acknowledge what has been difficult in your life. Because believe me, I know this. The hardest things that have happened in my life as a disciple and before I became a disciple, often those experiences are precisely where God delivered most of the wisdom that I hold today. So, but if you deliver wisdom without acknowledging the pain and the trials that you've been through to learn that, you, you don't have as much credibility. I think this is one reason why Jesus had such incredible credibility is because they knew he was delivered. He meant what he was talking about. And he ultimately suffered for everything that he taught. Last one, highlight God. Now, that doesn't mean you have to wrap everything with a Bible verse. It just means acknowledge God's presence in your story or what you communicate. Now, have you ever been in a situation where someone talks all pain and there's almost no acknowledgement of God? Those usually aren't really helpful. But what we want is that balance of, yes, there were some difficulties, but this is how God delivered this is how God showed up through that difficulty, through that challenge. All right. Well, a couple more verses. Matthew 7, verse 24. Uh, I think this is very applicable to dating and just about anything that you have important in your life. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Right? Jesus' words, Jesus' teaching. We can't build on just our feelings. We can't just build on our experiences. We need to build on... Jesus' teachings, Jesus' example. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, I love this one. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Why do we warn people? Is it because we're mad at them? I mean, yeah, you, it's a protective warning. It's not a, I'm furious and fed up with you, now I'm warning you. It's a protective warning. I want to protect you from idleness and disruption. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. All right? So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to just read through the dilemmas, dilemmas that we covered last week. Um, if any of them kind of strike you as something maybe connected to what you've experienced yourself, please go online and watch the midweek that we sent out from last week. But I just want you to have a heads up of what we covered. We talked about Sister Susie. These are all anonymous, by the way. Don't be looking for Sister Susie, I'm trying to help her out, okay? Nobody's asking me on a date. I feel invisible and loved, tempted by the attention I get outside of the church, tired of trying to do my part in being giving and planning dates that go unreciprocated. Brother, number two, Brother Bob, uh, I have done my share of encouragement dates. I'm burned out. I don't see any prospects. I'm tired of being told I'm failing as a man because I don't take sisters out every week. Stop telling me what to do. Uh, can I just acknowledge I had several men approach me that night 
and later in the week saying, hey, by the way, I was Brother Bob. It was so encouraging that they were Brother Bobs, but then they repented. So it was really interesting. Brother, uh, dilemma number three, no prospects. There are not that many singles to choose from. There is no one here for me. Freedom to choose. I believe it is no one else's business whom I date and eventually marry. We covered that one. And dilemma five, safety. I don't feel safe going on a date with a random brother that doesn't have the Bible as the standard the same way I do. They, there are creepy brothers that make me feel nervous when they talk to me. And yes, I had some brothers acknowledging that they were those creepy brothers at one point. So, but I'm not mentioning names, all right? Uh, all right, okay. So right now, what we're gonna do is uh, I'd like to invite our elders to please come up. Yeah, yeah. amen, Mike and Kim. And uh, what we're gonna do is similar to last time, uh, I'm gonna present the dilemma, and my awesome wife is going to share um, um, things to consider in the in the dilemma that we're looking at okay all right so dilemma number six purity i have convictions about not having sex with someone whom i whom i am not married to but somehow i still ended up sleeping with someone i feel so broken spiritually and the question here is every disciple who has gone through a sin study is well aware of what the bible teaches but how come we still have several single people every year who end up sexually involved with another person? Are we gonna read the next one? Yeah. Number seven, fear. I have so many fears about messing up and about talking to people of the opposite sex, I can't build normal friendships. I am awkward, I have no skills, and I need help. And the question here is how do we encourage the timid and how do we help the insecure to step out in faith and come out of their shell? Number eight, boundaries. I don't like stupid restrictions from others. And because I have a rebellious nature, I am prone to do the opposite of what you think I should do. There's the should word. But I also want to be wise, and I don't want to make a big mistake and ruin my relationship. Who should decide what boundaries a single person should have? And who should decide what boundaries a dating couple should have? Why are healthy boundaries important? One more. Here we have an additional and this is a new one that we got this week called unhelpful help. I am single. I can't hear another married person telling me what I'm doing wrong based on what worked for them. So do we tell the hurting single not to be offended? Or do we tell the marriage to be quiet and stop assuming they know all the answers? And then finally, uh, we're gonna close tonight, not with a dilemma, but a thought, what helps? If you are single, what is something someone else could say or has said or could do that would be really helpful and supportive to you. Okay? So Is this making gonna, sense? Now we're gonna open the mic. So now we're gonna go back to dilemma number six. Number six, right? Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna start with uh, dilemma number six. If you have any wisdom that you would like to share on dilemma number six, please come up 
and then if we have any other thoughts from the uh, Uptons or the Bruces, we will add some things as well. All right? Coming up, Chandel. Let's have, have like two or three per question. Okay. Um, my name is Chantel Turner. Um, I'm married. Yay. Um, wasn't always married. Um, number, oh, it is right there. Oh, that's good. Okay. Um, when this question came up, or dilemma came up last week, I told my husband, I said, we need to share. And he's not here this week because he's serving up at the, um, youth camp. So I said, you're not going to be here, so do you still want me to share? He goes, do your thing. And I said, okay. Um, my husband and I dated for about six months before we got married. And um, prior to getting engaged, we had um, participated in Devos with the Uptons at the Upside Down Club. And we both had backgrounds of um, being very sexual people. So when we became disciples and we started dating, we really wanted to have a pure dating relationship. You know, he could hold my hand, and that was basically it. I, no, no kiss on the cheek or anything. And we were successful for a while, and then our flesh just got the best of us, and we ended up um, being impure and immoral with each other, and um, it was hard. We sought a lot of counseling, and it was more embarrassing to talk about what had happened because we were both fearful of being judged, ridiculed. We grew up spiritually in a church back pre and retreat when things were a little different. And so when we came back from a trip, uh, we were visiting his parents in Montana, uh, actually his sister in Portland. And we came back and we shared what we experienced with some few people that probably are in this room today. And um, we got some advice that we didn't necessarily agree with, but we prayed a lot about it. And we decided that we were gonna continue um, dating, and we eventually we, we got married, but the consequences of participating in something that God didn't want us to participate in until after we said, I do when we were married, has caused for me to have a lot of insecurities in our marriage. Um, whenever we go to a lot of weddings and we hear the minister say, oh, this is their first time that they've actually kissed, I feel shameful because that wasn't me um, when I got married. So I struggle a lot with that and feeling that I'm unable to share with singles or help them out in their dating relationships because of that. And I feel like there's a, I placed a stigma on myself that um, if we try to shepherd single people and we have since then have gained a very deep conviction about not putting ourselves in situations where we can end up falling into Satan's trap of being impure and immoral with each other. And so um, 
It has caused me personally, I won't speak for David, but when he comes back, I would encourage you to talk to him and hear his side of it. Um, to just kind of keep to myself, but when this came up, I decided, you know what, I need to share it because if it came up, it is, it's happening. And I just didn't want anybody else to go through and feel the things that I feel and um, feeling less than. Um, we had another married couple come over over the holiday and I said I was gonna share about this and some single sisters that know me and walked with me through, through this and got some encouragement from some really spiritual people text messages to say, you know what, you really need to share it because if it happened to you and it is happening to other people, then perhaps sharing my story could help others to not fall into Satan's trap. Thank you. Wow. Um, I just want to comment real quickly. I, I so appreciate Chantel having the courage to do what she just did. And to me, yeah. I think what she shared about is something really beautiful about God. He never wants us to be defined by our failures. He always has a plan for our failures. I can remember for years just praying, will anyone ever talk at church about looking at pornography? I went to church every Sunday just hoping, waiting for some, does anyone struggle with this, right? And you know, God had a plan with that. And even though that was a part of my life that I'm very ashamed of, similar to what Chantel said, what God wants to do, guys, he wants to take our pain, he wants to take that and turn it into our ministry or our ability to serve and give and, and turn it into something beautiful and generous and, life, generous and life-giving. So again, I'm just so thankful, Chantel. Thank you so very much. Amen. All right. Mike, did you want to add something? Anything you want to add? Well, I also am so thankful, Chantel, for your courage. Um, I wanted to say to Kim and I, you know, through the years, we've been Christians for 34 years almost, and how many married couples we've gotten together with that come, as we talk through their history and all that, that it does come out that there was some uh, immorality leading up to their marriage. And just similar to what Chantel spoke of from a first person perspective. It's just, it's painful to see the consequences of that sin being lived out for years, really, and just the leadership that's lost in the husband leading the wife, and just the confidence that she has. Are you going to take care of us? Are you going to lead us in the right way to go? Or do I need to take it in my own hands? And I just have to just reinforce that multiplied in a number of couples that we've gotten together through the years, it's a huge thing that God's trying to protect you, actually, to 
give you something that is so special in a marriage relationship, but in the world is treated like an everyday thing. And I know when I got married in 1986, way, way back, but I felt like God was shining his smile on this beautiful day. We had an outdoor wedding, and I will never forget it, and it was just so important to me that God was saying, well done, you know, and I'm going to give you this, this amazing moment that you will always savor, and it, whatever self-denial is to lead there, whatever the boundaries that you need to set for yourself, it's well worth it. Dennis, can you introduce yourself? Evening, everybody. So I'm Donez, and it's one of those things we think about, and it's kind of a two-for-one, not only with this, but number seven as well for me, but we think about our fear of just within our purity of it only affects us, but we never think about what could happen if there's a plus on that pregnancy test. Well, you're looking at a product of one family that did have multiple pluses on that pregnancy test from infidelity and impurity just out of improper marriages. And the reason I say it's like kind of been a fear of mine, just even embrace it because I don't want to go down that trend of just like, oh, I'm not into that intrigue of just being there for my family when I eventually say I do just because of issues I had in the relationship and oh for just one night at the right at the right time I think but the wrong time for God and yet I'm not around my kids and yeah, I got a little choked up there, I'm sorry. But the one thing that really taught me was just letting God just take over. And yes, that elephant in the room is there, like why wasn't a parent always there for me or why did I only grow up in a single parent home? But it's like, you can't really judge your parents for something they did, you can only hope to break the cycle of what they did. So anyone that's going through like those thoughts or those like gray lines of like, oh, we're feeling like we should do it just because we're lovey-dovey, like high school sweethearts, college sweethearts, and nothing may happen, yeah, you may want to think about that and like, five to ten months because you never know so and honestly if you don't believe me i kind of am going back home to see a lot of nieces and nephews that have, are living this life right now the same life that i grew up so thank you guys thank you bro. well done thank you all right, uh, let's go on to dilemma number seven. I have so many fears about messing up and about talking to people of the opposite sex. I can't build normal relationships. I'm awkward. I have no skills, and I need help. Okay, so my name is Joey. I'm married. 
Hey, Joey. So, um, can I go back to the purity? Yeah. The, the thoughts in my head cover the, the purity, the fear, the boundaries, um, even the last one, right? Because I'm prompted by God to say what I'm saying, uh, not so that you can feel bad if that last one applies to you, but it's so that I can communicate how great God is, not to show how bad you might feel about something I might say. It's two very different things. You might feel bad about what I say, but what I'm saying is about how great God was in my life, not about how bad you might feel about something I just happen to say. So my wife and I, um, we dated for six, eight months. We're engaged for just over a year and then got married. And uh, during that time, uh, we decided what, what was appropriate. And we talked to a few people. Uh, I might have talked to uh, James Buford. Some of you guys remember him. Irving, a.k.a. Drift. Some of you guys know who he is. He's up in Sacktown. Uh, Aaron Clark was one of them. Uh, Derek Williams was one of them. Ron Fuller, James Bean. And uh, was holding hands okay? Because, I don't know, I was a dude out of jail, off the streets, homeless, all kinds of stuff. So I didn't know how to be touchy-feely, what was appropriate. Uh, I had no clue. I had never had to even consider that stuff. So, uh, okay, so we could hold hands. Could, can I kiss you on the cheek? I don't know. Is it okay? Do you feel, is it freak you out if I kiss you on the cheek? I don't, I don't know. Would it freak me out? Would I feel like there would need to be a next level if I kissed you on the cheek? What comes next? Then do I kiss you on the mouth? Are you okay if I kiss you on the mouth? If you're okay if I kiss you on the mouth, are you gonna think I wanna put my tongue in your mouth? Like these are things, these are just real thoughts. And if you, you've, you've probably thought them. If I thought them, you probably thought them. I'm probably just saying them. <laughs> and it's okay to say them. Like if, if, if you don't think about this stuff and, and you're not okay with saying it, I feel for me that there's something wrong with that. Like nothing gets lost in a dynamic it either gets denied or it gets acted out. And both are bad. So it's better just to talk about it, in my experience. So we talked about it. Okay, yeah, sure, you can hold my hand. You can kiss me on the cheek. Hey, babe, how about a peck on the lips? We talked about it. We got advice, Proverbs 14 or 15, I think in 23. And the gist of it is get advice, have advisors. The part where God comes in, is that it doesn't say all the advice you follow is godly. It just says that a man with many advisors is wise. The rest is up to you because at the end of the day, if you end up getting married or if you just stay dating, when you put your head down to sleep at night, you, I have to answer to him for what I did to her. I'm responsible. The good you ought to do and you don't do it, it's sin, right? So if I think I'm causing her to struggle because I kissed her on the mouth and I'm okay with it, but she's not, I, gotta, I have to answer for that. No matter, Joe V might tell me, hey, that's a bad idea. James Bean go, I don't know, that seems a little gray. It's all opinion. Ultimately, what I do with the advice I get from my brothers, I take it to him, him and I sort it out and we land somewhere. 
Because even as a married man, nobody in this room that I might get advice from has to live the rest of their life with my wife and I. It's just her and I and him. And it's the same thing when you're dating. It's you and your girlfriend and him until he says otherwise. And if he decides to let it go further, it'll go further. And if he doesn't, it won't. So the awkward part for me, I think I, that was a covered period part. Okay, I'm trying not to go too long. Let me know if I want to, if, if you need me to stop. So the awkward part, right? The awkward part was, is that I'm still overweight now. But when I met my wife, I was much more heavier than I am now. And I saw her and I was just like, not a chance. It was like fanciful, fanciful thinking. However, looking back, I followed what God wanted me to do, which was just go up and introduce myself. And again, I'm not as nowhere near as rough as I used to be around the edges. But, but right, Joe? Joe knows. Where's, is Donna Earl here tonight? I, I will quote Donna Earl's, my favorite saying for Donna Earl when Joey used to come around, hide your purse. Donna, am I lying? It's a true story. So that just shows you how rough I am, or rough I was, right? But some of you can relate. Anyways, um, being awkward, I get it. I still feel awkward sometimes around a lot of people. It's easy for me to stand up and talk in front of you guys. I, I don't have a problem with that. But like engaging and, and sitting with somebody one-on-one -on -one and wondering what they really think about me and Am I stupid? Am I ugly? Am I too fat? Am I, am I going to be able to hold a conversation? Do I have the same uh, interests? Whatever. Ultimately, I had to get over myself. And uh, in that time of just talking with Erica, I, I learned how to be vulnerable, how to uh, be okay with not feeling like enough. Right, so, so in knowing Erica and dating, she told me all these great things that she wanted to do. She wanted to travel, she wanted to go here, she wanted, and I was making like 10 bucks an hour. And I was like, this is not gonna happen. I can't give her any of that stuff. And what I thought to myself was, and I shared it with her, and I said, I'm, I, 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 I make $10 an hour. And what I'm afraid is that you're gonna experience travel, you're gonna go places that I can't take you, and you're gonna look at me and not want me because I can't give you any of that stuff. Right. But we've gone, we've traveled internationally as a married couple, which is amazing. Uh, so I get the awkward, but for me it was trusting that God, like everything else in my life that was tragic or difficult or chaotic or hard, God was so much more than my awkwardness. Yeah. Just like he's so much more than my homelessness or so much more than my addiction or so much more than being an ex-con. All of those things that were negative are now positives in my life. Yeah. Just like being awkward. What's the last one? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
I would highly recommend any couple, anybody, just sitting down and talking to Joey and Erica. Uh, I've been in a conversation with them and another couple last year, and just I felt like I was sitting at the feet of two people that were just remarkably transparent, but who have also been remarkably transformed. So he, he may seem rough on the edges, but he's really soft inside. Eric has done a great job. And uh, anyway, so thank you guys so much for sharing. All right, let's go on to limit number eight, uh, boundaries. I don't like stupid restrictions from others, and because I have a rebellious nature, I'm prone to do the opposite of what you think I should do. But I also want to be wise, and I don't want to make a big mistake and ruin my relationship. Come on up, Tori. And Mel, please come up. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Tori Vellante. Um, and I've dated in the kingdom. Um, I got baptized when I was 14, so I had never dated before I was a disciple. And I dated a couple years ago. And um, I got my heart broken, we broke up. Um, but it was a gift that, yeah, I gave my heart and stuff, but we were really pure in our relationship. And something that I feel like is a gift in the kingdom is that you can give your heart, um, but if you do humble yourself, it was hard to decide to make certain boundaries, to decide we're just gonna hold hands. Um, but it's been such a gift that I didn't give anything to the relationship that I can't ever get back. And um, as much as it's hard to be humble and to take advice and to step back and be like, okay, I didn't know what I was going to struggle with because I had never been in a relationship before. And I took a lot of advice and prayed a lot and just decided to be on the side of caution instead of walk the line of how close can we get, but really being like, you know, fleeing from anything that was impure and, and staying as far away as possible. And that was difficult. It was hard to hold those boundaries, but at the end of the day, when it doesn't work out, and even if it does work out, there's nothing that I'm ashamed of more than just being hurt that, you know, my feelings weren't reciprocated, so. Oh, Am I tall enough? Okay, cool. So um, I was sitting there with Sarah and I was like, oh, I can speak on this. So when I was 23 years old, which was a long time ago because I'm in my 30s, but um, not that long. But I remember I was in D group after I had been hanging out with a brother on our own. Um, we never dated. But um, I remember Brooke Akameza was like, you do not know how to have relationships with men. And it was very true because I came from a broken home. I didn't know my dad. My mom had men in and out of the house. So I never knew how to have boundaries with men. And I also never knew my worth. So I really had to lay at the feet of the women who had gone before me. And I would even be like, what do you think about this? Do you think I should text them? Do you think I shouldn't? Do you think I should go on this date? And then also a lot of prayer um, and being guided by the Holy Spirit, but also a lot of healing. Because if you don't know your worth, then you will not have boundaries and I didn't know my worth at that time and so um, I would fall for anything and I feel like I would throw my pearls at pigs and um, if anyone knows me now I have very firm boundaries and um, I communicate those boundaries and I feel like before I didn't have respect from even some brothers because I didn't have respect for myself I feel like God has given me 
such a gift in the respect of the men in this ministry. Like I think about like Misha and, you know, um, just different people that are my friends or Anthony or just even men that are married to my friends now. Like I feel like God has given me a level of respect that um, I didn't know that I could have, but it really is because I was told that I was prideful and that I didn't know how to have relationships. And from that, I had to humble myself in front of women and in front of the Lord. So. One more. Two more. Um, I relate to this one a lot, um, especially, um, especially as a young disciple. Um, hmm? Oh, my name is Elisa. I'm married, so I'm sorry, you know. But, um, but um, I think, especially when I was younger, I had a very high regard for my own intellect and my own um, thought process, and I learned early on that that hubris led me to make poor decisions. And so I had to kind of trick myself into following advice, okay? Because if somebody tells me to do something, my first response is like, why? What are your motives? Like, what's happening? Um, and so I had to really train my mind to know, even if someone's giving me advice, that's all it is. It's my choice. So I'm hearing the information that they're giving to me, and I'm deciding whether I think it's good for me or not. And I'm looking at the Bible and I'm saying, does what they say match with the Bible? And I'm honest with myself. So in my relationship with um, my husband when we were dating, it was really like, okay, are we gonna hold hands or are we gonna kiss? Or are we gonna... So my thing was like, well, can I hold his hand and not want more? Yeah, I can hold his hand and not want more. Um, can I hug him and be like, we're gonna, well, I can hug him for a, for a little bit. But then, you know, things are going to get sketchy. Um, can I kiss him? And then, no. You know what I mean? Like, I just had to be really honest with myself. And then it didn't feel like somebody was telling me what to do. It was like, I'm hearing the wisdom of others. I'm taking it to God. And then I'm really being honest with myself about who I am. And I think that if you're honest with yourself, you'll avoid those big mistakes. I knew I couldn't kiss my husband. I mean, I thought it was super cute. Like, stuff was gonna happen, you know what I mean? So I had to just be honest with myself, and I think that that will help you just kind of realizing that it's, all of this is your choice. Nobody's telling you what to do. I mean, they might be, but who cares? You know what I mean? You could do whatever you want, but you just have to choose what's right for you and what's right between you and God. Does that make sense? I don't know. Awesome. So I, I knew I was not going to be sharing tonight. I'm Linda Axelson, uh, happily married to Joey, who's not here tonight. Uh, so uh, I was a, I, I didn't believe in restrictions. I thought they were stupid. Um, I think there was lots of talks with me and Trey and anybody in leadership. I was very well known. Um, Thanks <laughs> What I heard a lot from Sanja Shepherd was humble way out. Um, I was old, our church was really young, a lot of 20s. I was in my 30s, so I thought they, they can't help me. <laughs> They're too young. And so I pretty much was going to do what I wanted to do. And there was a brother, and I liked him, and I chased him, and demanded that he like me. Uh, a lot of people talked to me about it, and I was like, 
you guys, I know what I'm doing. I know my heart. He likes me. He's just not telling me. So <laughs> after a year of chasing with my track shoes, I was serious. A lot of advice, but it was like it was advice. And they're young. They don't know anything. So eventually, I do remember Kevin saying, your kids sometimes are going to let you down and you just have to let them do what they want to do. And on that, he gave us the blessing to be a dating couple. <laughs> so we became a dating couple. And you would think everything was good now. Got advice, like, I don't follow that. I, didn't, I got him by not following advice. So <laughs> we, we talked on the phone all day. We were together everywhere. We did our laundry together. Uh, we went to the movies together. We never had a double. Who wanted other people around? We wanted to talk to each other. Now, thank God we were not impure, but that had nothing to do with me. I mean, he was with me when my father died, and I was like holding him crying in the car thinking, I could probably kiss him because I'm really grieving and I could get away with this. But I mean, so I was definitely no saint. And uh, when we weren't together, we had a journal we passed back and forth about how much we loved each other. And um, our dating relationship that I pursued for a year lasted 30 days. And uh, I remember telling Trey at a wedding, I'm breaking up with this guy. And she was like, okay. And Trey's good with the one-liner. She just said, because uh, you didn't listen to advice, somebody's going to be very hurt, and just walked away. Like, so um, I went and got advice then and was told, give it three months. I mean, man, give it at least three months. And I was like, okay. And then I broke up with him immediately. And I watched this really, he was, a, he was a tall, skinny guy. And he got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I really felt like that was God showing me what my sin looked like. And I was just like, I mean, he, he was unrecognizable who I fell for and who he became afterward. I hurt him so bad. And I felt so bad that I was, it humbled me. And I was like, you know what, let me, let me take advice. And I actually decided that I wasn't gonna date anymore, ever, because I felt that that guy was one of God's sons and I hurt him. And why would God give me any other son to do the same thing to? So I did go out on encouragement dates. I actually would look around for guys who were in the back that nobody would ever go out with. And I was like, you know what? My job is just to encourage people and that's all I'm gonna do. And so by the time Joey came into my life, um, you know, he still is mad at me for the restrictions I put up in that relationship. <laughs> it was like, you know, don't even look at me for very long. Forget kissing and holding my hand. <laughs> but I saw what the other side did, me doing my way. And I remember a married couple sitting down with me and my first boyfriend saying, you guys see each other too much. You guys talk, you guys talk more than we do. And we're married. 
And I left that talk saying, what the heck is wrong with your marriage? You should see each other more. I mean, nothing went in. And I look back and, you know, every now and then, that guy shows up on my Facebook wall and I just go, you know what, God, I'm still sorry. You know, I'm still sorry. So I'll just say that the restrictions that I thought were stupid and I really thought I knew better, I learned that, you know, I don't know anything. It's like, you know what, God, if he never gave me Joey, I think I would have been okay because, heck, I, I totally destroyed another human being. But God in his mercy was like, all right, I'll give you another shot. So anyway, I just felt like, you know, this is what rebellion looks like. It's ugly, really ugly. Okay, uh, unhelpful help. I'm single. I can't hear another married person telling me what I'm doing wrong based on what worked for them. Darlene. I'm Darlene Bell Grayson. I wasn't baptized here. I was baptized in our New York City church. And I like saying I've been a disciple for 31 years. I like it. And um, for me, the unhelpful help has come, sorry, primarily from married women who would say things like, you've been a disciple for X amount of years. Honey, why aren't you married? And that's not helpful. And I came away with, or developed this thinking about myself that there is something strange about me when there is not something strange about me. Sarah was 90, and a sister told me, you're more like Sarah than any woman in the Bible I've ever met. And I got so mad when she told me that because I said Sarah was old. And I didn't appreciate it until I looked at Sarah's character and God let her wait. And don't we know what Sarah's life looked like? And when I think of, I'm gonna give you the helpful help. Helpful help for me has been not so much what, what sisters have said or brothers have said, it's what they've done. Chantelle Turner has shepherded my heart wonderfully. She has done things like, I'm going to try and set up a date for you. It didn't work out well, but she, she did that. Jen Martinez, before she became Andoy, set up a date. Jen brought me flowers on my date. She wasn't the brother. But it's the things that sisters or brother that they do. It's not what they say. It's what they do. I remember what is done. That's what really helps my heart. And it's the, the unhelpful comments of taking what you perceive as my greatest sin See, sister, that's the problem. See, brothers really don't like that. And they're really looking for sisters that are shorter, taller, fatter, thinner, smarter, dumber, whatever. But it's not, it's not the, the kind of information that I believe Jesus sees and says to me when I read his word, because he tells me, you are the apple of my eye. That's what I consider is helpful for me is the encouragement, not things like, because you're not married, you single sisters need to just get a house together. Married sisters have actually said that, is that we should get a house together because there's just not enough brothers. And some things, they're just ludicrous. 
And when I think of the actions that are helpful, most of my friends have never set me up on a date. I will do it for them, but they don't generally do that for me. But I remember those, whether they're in the ministry I'm in or a different ministry, I remember those kinds of actions, something that's tangible that I can, I, that I can um, hold on to that shows me more of God. That shows me care and concern, but not just the, oh, what am I do with that? Thank you. <laughs> Darlene Bell Grayson. Lucy, come on. You go first. Introduce yourself. I'm Lucy Axelson. Um, I have been a disciple for two years, and I grew up in the kingdom. And I have gotten a lot of advice on relationships and stuff, but there is also the unhelpful advice of, well, you're doing it wrong because you're not being, you're not being the quiet, you're not being the coy, you're not being the elusive, you're not being this. Um, because, I mean, there's a lot of women out there who do it, they do it right. They do it in the encouraging, in the loving way that I also relate to the last one where I am a rebellious person. If you tell me what I'm doing run, wrong, I will run in that direction instead of the correct way because if it doesn't come from a place of love, a place of encouragement, a place of... Like, some people even are like, I'm only telling you because I love you. And I'm like, I don't see the love because you're very focused on what you think I'm doing wrong. Instead of being like, you do this, this very specific thing, you do this wonderfully. You're very encouraging. You're very loving. And I think you could take that in this beautiful direction with encouraging this brother. Or encouraging just emphasizing the good. Or as a brother told me, this is a really weird term, but he called it a poop sandwich. He said something positive, something negative, and then something positive, which, oh my gosh, that works so well for me because I get so caught up in, oh my gosh, they think I do something really well that I take the correction of like, hey, maybe you could do this a little bit better, but you do this fabulously. Mm. I'm able to hear the positive and take the negative without even knowing I'm taking the negative. And so just enforcing the positive tends to work for me as a rebellious person. <laughs> Excellent. I just definitely want a different name for that sandwich. Okay. Yes. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Vanessa. This is actually pretty tall. Um, I'm not that short, but... Um, okay, so I think although there are some things that are unhelpful in what they are, I think, Darlene, that was a great example of why are you still single? Probably not ever going to be helpful or encouraging. I can't think of a single situation where I wouldn't probably do a shame spiral if somebody said that to me. Um, but what kind of came up for me with this um, situation was more about the timing of when things are shared. And so one thing that I've noticed has been helpful not even just towards me, but when I've tried to share with other people when they'll have a dilemma that they'll wonder what to do, is ask, and I think it goes along with the guidelines that were shared um, about acknowledging pain, because sometimes when somebody is sharing a dilemma or something, they don't always want or are ready to hear advice. And so it's been really important, I think, for me when I'm talking to other people, and I enjoy this towards me as well, of just saying, what do you want right now? Do you want me 
to give you advice? Do you want to know what my thoughts are? Or do you just need an ear? Like, is this just listening time? Because um, obviously there is a time and a place for everything, and we should be seeking out advice and open to hearing that. But I think that's part of meeting people where they are. So this will be the last one on Dilemma 9, and then, um, based on our time, I think the last one we're going to probably do in our small groups. Hi, I'm Lillian uh, Jacobs, and I just wanted, I was just thinking about this, and um, one thing, my perspective is that we should really just try to be happy where we're at, because we don't really know what God's plan is, and if we're married, like to say to someone, oh, well, you're going to get married, or it's going to be wonderful when you get married, we, we don't really know, so it's like we should really, you know, think and encourage each other to just really love God and be okay with wherever God's called us, because maybe he won't call us to be married. Now, I got baptized in 1983, and I, I was a Christian for 11 years, no, 14 years before I ended up getting married. And, you know, you kind of think, well, I've been faithful, I've been a good, you know, I've done everything right, I'm going to have this awesome marriage, and it's just going to be wonderful, and it's going to solve all your problems. And I think a lot of times when we're single, we think that. But um, I got married, and then like a couple, like maybe even just a year after we got married, my husband left the church. And um, he's been gone all this time. We're still married. It's been 22, 22 years this uh, December. And it's just an incredibly difficult marriage. So, but I'm faithful, and God, he transformed me through it. So I know this is, I, I knew at the time, because I really, really prayed. I said, God, is this really the person you want me to marry? Because there was just different struggles. And he kept saying, yes, yes, I want you to marry this person. And Tracy gave me some great advice. And she said, she said I think you've gone as far as a Christian as you're going to go before, you know, unless you get married. So, um, you know, I got married. I'm really grateful I got married. But it didn't solve all my problems. Being married doesn't solve your problems. Being single, we always have the same problems. So I think really just to inspire each other that uh, we just need to be faithful to God because that's really what it's about. And wherever God calls us to be, we're going to have husbands who aren't faithful. Maybe they'll come back. Maybe they won't. Maybe we'll never get married. But God is always amazing and faithful and worth it. First, I just wanted to say thank you for the vulnerability. Um, gosh, thank you. I, I just feel like we are family, and the fact that you each have been able to be so vulnerable in front of all of us has been really, really inspiring. Um, I also wanted to go back to the beginning where Sheldon shared that uh, he wished he could have really experienced that wonderful dance, but he had to work it. And I just want to propose that we, being part of the family, mom and dad in the family, um, or, you know, brothers and sisters in the family, that we as married couples who can support the desires for the singles to experience that party, to get out and meet people, to have a blast amongst disciples, I want to work that party next time. So, Sheldon, please call. All right, I just got I just got convicted, Sheldon. I think we're going to be signed up for that. Okay. All right. Uh, again, thank you everyone for everyone that let's give a hand for everyone that shared tonight. Uh,
And maybe let's save this last one for our small groups. Thank you again for a great night, and we will see you on Sunday. Take care.